Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Secret Birds HQ podcast. And this is podcast episode number 68. And today we are joined by Miss Georgie and Gettin McCoy. Hi, Georgianne. Hi, John. How's it going? I'm doing really well. I'm hot. It's hot here where I am in St. Croix, but I'm, I'm good. What about you? <laughs> it's hot here in New York as well, but can you believe it? I'm wearing a sweater because when you're here, the mosquitoes are dangerous. <laughs> are, are you based in the city? Are you in one of the boroughs? I'm actually out, right outside of the city. I'm in Long Island, Nassau County, so maybe like 20, 30 minutes from the city. Yeah, yeah, I'm familiar with it. Okay, so great. So welcome and thank you for joining us. So Georgianne is, are you happy for me to call you Georgianne or Georgie or Anne? What do you prefer? Um, Georgianne or Georgie is fine. Anne, I don't know why, but I hate Anne. <laughs> so just, George, you, don't, you hate Anne on its own. So Georgianne is cool. Uh, yes, that's great. Have you ever told your mom that you hate the name she's given you? I haven't told her that part because that part actually comes directly from her. Um, I'll jump into a quick story where my they gave me the names of their middle names. So my mom's middle name is Antoinette and my dad is George. So they put Georgie and Anne together and that's how they got Georgianne. And so I cannot tell her that part. So I hope she don't listen to this. <laughs> Sorry, mom. <laughs> I, know, I know your background is Jamaican, right? You're Yes, I was born in Jamaica, and then um, we all immigrated to the U.S. when I was about seven. Because a lot of Jamaicans have Anne, hyphenated Anne, Sherry Anne, um, Lisa Anne. Mm-hmm. I, it's, a, it's a Jamaican thing. <laughs> Definitely. Yeah, I've met so many Jamaicans with hyphen Anne, and I just thought, okay, this, must, this is a Jamaican thing going on here. But, you know, hey, Caribbean parents are innovative, aren't they, with names? Hey. Extremely. <laughs> okay, so Georgie Ann is the CEO and co-founder of Illicit Mind Inc., a company that develops initiatives to enable the growth of black and diverse entrepreneurs and techies. She is a young woman who wears many hats. In her personal life, she's a mom of two and a wife. In her professional life, she is a Baruch College alum, serial entrepreneur, community builder, speaker, author, and a diversity in tech evangelist. Reading all of that just made me sweat. (laughs) Seriously, you do all of these things. And she enjoys learning as well as teaching new and creative ways to find solutions to real world problems. All right, Georgianne. And today, Georgianne is going to discuss what it's like being a Black Caribbean woman in tech and entrepreneurship. So welcome, Georgianne. Welcome again. Thank you so much for having me. Okay. So to begin with, can you tell us how, okay, so we know you migrated to the U.S. when you were seven years old. So how did you end up being in this, this tech space and doing all of the work that you're doing now? And just kind of give us the lead up to how you got into founding Illicit Mind. Yeah, so my dad, he is by trade an engineer, um, and then from engineering, he used to do like cars and mechanical work, and then once the uh, technology started um, coming down to the Caribbean, so cell phones, games, um, other electronics, he started being the one to fix them, so he grew a name for himself as the go-to person 
when technology started coming into Jamaica, like cell phones, video games, more, you know, high definition televisions, my dad was the one to, the go-to person to, you know, fix them or sell them. And as a young child, he would give myself and my siblings these devices first to be the ones to test them out, you know, see how to break them. If you have three young kids, that's the perfect test tester for these devices to say, okay, if a kid could break it and I could fix it, that means I'm good. Um, and I know how to fix it properly. So from there, I had a phone. My first cell phone was maybe like seven, eight years old. PSP. Um, I was introduced to it at a very young age. And once I transitioned to the U.S., uh, you know, we got a computer. I did um, at her second degree. And to, in order to do her college work and her um, studies, she needed a computer. And since I was, you know, again, younger and I'm the oldest of my siblings, she had me typing all of her papers when she had homework. She would read, she, she was more used to writing it out, um, but when she would write it out and then she'd have me sit down and she'll read it to me and I'll type it out. So that's how, you know, I got more acquainted with the computer and anything computer-wise, my family's just like, oh, Georgie was the go-to person. So that's kind of how, like, the tech part of it was established. And Coming from the Caribbean, I just had naturally been an entrepreneur, right? I love to see when my dad was working. I love to see just people opening their own businesses and starting new initiatives and programs. And the entrepreneur was kicking and live in me. No matter how much I tried to, you know, withhold myself in the United States, a lot of our parents tell us to go to a more stable job, focus on getting, you know, a 401k, focus on setting a foundation because, one, we're not from here, you know. We came here for the opportunity to maximize the opportunity and become an entrepreneur at this early stage is not going to help you maximize the opportunity, whereas more of a corporate job would and in the later on in life, if you still have that. But I couldn't handle that. Entrepreneurial bug kept kicking and kicking from high school days when I would start different networking friends and planning for everyone to go out or being the person that collects the money when we're trying to do this event or program or um, I also was selling t-shirts in high school prom tickets just the whole nine I took a couple entrepreneurial classes as well and I realized you know this is for me so in my early years of college I launched a clothing and that was also named illicit mind which means thinking outside the box and being creative and kind of going against the systems that are already set for you and after about a year and a half of doing the clothing line, I realized that there was a big lack of support for entrepreneurs, specifically entrepreneurs of color, immigrant entrepreneurs, female entrepreneurs um, in, in general. And then I also realized that there was a tech startup scene in New York City. Yeah. The entrepreneurship technology, I still list in mind, which is, which today what it does is we help diverse innovators. So I think that encompasses all of those, you know, Caribbean women, black, um, minor other minorities get their business going and specifically their tech businesses because we are highly, highly underrepresented, underrepresented in the tech scene as um, diverse innovators. So I want to help folks. I do help folks start their business as well as grow their business in that scene as well as do and that's what I love to do and I wake up and do that every day okay so when you say that um, we are highly underrepresented because in the US what happens is everybody gets clumped into black <laughs> but that doesn't mm -hmm. represent 
blackness, you know, because black isn't a monolith. You've got people from sub-Saharan Africa, you've got black people from Latin America, from the Caribbean, what have you, what have you. So when you say we, are you mean people of dark skin or do you mean African-Americans or do you mean black people from the Caribbean? Who, who is the we or just people of so, so in general, I'm speaking of the diaspora of like all folks that can be categorized as black from the skin of the color of their skin to the nations that they're from. So we that we is underrepresented. So now imagine if you take out those little those um smaller groups, the Caribbean we, the um you know African American we. Once you take out those groups, that that demographic pool gets even smaller. So where they where they're saying you know three percent or five percent of um of black people are in tech now imagine if you just take out the caribbean now you're down to maybe a half a percent one percent um so looking at those kind of numbers and trying to figure out how counted into that pool because you know people when they look at technology or um tech companies they're not looking hey i need a developer let me go call somebody in jamaica they're not looking that they're not that wouldn't even be a sentence somebody might think to say, and I want that to become a normal sentence. You know, if they're looking for a developer overseas, they're thinking India, Russia, um, Pakistan, those kind of places. But when there's a two-hour person, literally two hours on the plane or on the um, travel distance away from you, right there in one of the Caribbean islands that is just as capable, if not more, hours ahead on the other side of the world, but you just don't know and you don't look at the Caribbean as a place for tech growth or a startup ecosystem. And why do you think that is? Why, why, why doesn't the, in the U.S. rather, why don't Americans look or see the Caribbean as a, a place where they can get um, tech talent? Why does it have to always be China, India, Russia, Pakistan, India, South Asia, wherever, you know, one of the former Eastern um, you, you, former Yugoslav countries, you know, the typical kind of places. Why, why do you think it's always those places as opposed to the Caribbean? I think it's just about like the branding so, um, and the marketing. So people have been accustomed to those places providing that service. Mm-hmm. And when they think of the Caribbean, you know, what's the first thing that you say? Oh, I'm from Jamaica. People talk, talking to you about beaches and, you know, yummy food. Or they hit you with the Bob Marley. Like, that's all the, you know, that's all the things that they know. Food, tourism, and, like, the culture of the Caribbean islands. They're not thinking about technological ecosystems. They're not thinking, you know, people can't fathom the idea that, yes, we are on an island, but we are using Wi-Fi, computers, phones, um, building these technologies. Um, it doesn't click instantly whereas they think of you know china japan they they're seeing folks in you know going to work at service centers call centers web development firms and so it's like just the the narrative that's built around the the these different countries and the ecosystems inside of these countries yeah because i think it's also how the countries position themselves india well, you can't compare India with Caribbean. Indian has a billion people, but a lot of these countries position themselves as they brand themselves in the fields of tech and so on. And a lot of Caribbean countries haven't progressed beyond sun, sand, and sea, which is, which is a bit of a shame. So it's like you said, it's kind of how the perception of, of how people view the region. So I guess if, if that changes, then perhaps there'll be more of a, a demand for people from the Caribbean. Not that they aren't there, because obviously they are, but people just don't think about the Caribbean as a tech place. Exactly. And I think it, 
it impacts negatively impacts of people that are capable, willing, and have the skill and high talent that are in the Caribbean. Mm-hmm. Because you know, when you when somebody says I'm able to work, what are you gonna do? You gotta look at look it up. You're gonna research it, see what other great developers or other people are in that market in the ecosystem. And when you're not finding a lot, maybe because they're not as public, it makes you think, mm, I don't. I don't really know what your expertise is. And then that then lessens the more ex- the, the exposure and the experiences that company will get because now one person is going to look for referrals, but that company maybe has like five, six referrals versus the company in, you know, the other side of the world that has 200, 300 referrals because people just know them that, you know, that's the service that they do. But the, per- the person with five referrals could do a way better job um, at, at the service that's necessary. Right. Okay. So let's talk about being a black Caribbean woman in, in this space. So what has your experiences been like thus far? And obviously you're living in the U S so you're speaking within an American context. Yeah. So definitely speaking within an American context is I started a networking group, a meetup group a couple of years ago called Caribbeans in tech and entrepreneurship. Um, and now we call it site collective. So the Caribbeans in tech and entrepreneurship has become the acronym site. Mm-hmm. Um, and the purpose of that is because when I would go to events and functions, I saw that I was either the only woman, the only person of color, the only Caribbean, I was just a lot of times the only. So, you know, when I was in more so black or African American spaces, I felt still different in certain contexts where the Caribbean culture was not present. So I started that, that group to kind of bring the Caribbean culture to some of the events and some of the, the tech culture, kind of like mixing it. For example, we just did an event a couple of weeks ago, the, the last week in June, and we had a panel and a networking event. And at the networking event, we had a DJ playing soca. We had, um, you know, uh, one of uh, a startup comment that they were doing soca-based workouts called Walkout. And we're dancing soca at this like panel pitch networking event, and so just bringing or or culture to things just makes it feel more homely. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't have to kind of like code switch. You don't have to just in anything that you do. You know, the more women are present, the less you have to kind of you know mansplain in that context. The more people of color are present, black people, Latino people. Now you don't have to kind of you know talk like this hello you know you don't have to switch your voice the the less the more comfortable you are in the scenario because the more people you feel like could resonate and understand you in a room the less guard you have up and the more um energy and time you could spend just being you and producing whatever work that needs to be done instead of you know putting up these different layers and different guards of your personality of your culture of your person just to try to feel like you've earned a seat in that room, a seat at that table, um, and are allowed to be a part of that conversation. Okay. So you have, you, because you felt, well, not you felt, but you were, this is factual, your experience, that you were the only one. You started um, site, and you can tell people we're at the end where they can go to, um, to join that, um, that Facebook group. And so you've, uh, you've, obviously started to see the effects of having of having this group so do you see now more people attending these events more people that look like you that sound like you that are from the same culture or heritage as you yeah definitely just the other day when we had the site week event um i would say about 50 people came and it was really nice because it was a lot of people we've done it this is our second year in a row uh doing that specific event last year 
about the same amount of people came, but different people. So 50 different people and about maybe 10 people were the same as last year, this year. So just seeing if you add that up now, we've got at like 90, 100 people. Um, so just like expanding on that and just seeing how much ease people felt. You could see a lot of folks were more relaxed. They weren't so much thinking of putting up a second face and then a lot of more interactions, more valuable and more transparent. Yes, so that's the word I'm looking for. Transparent interactions happen. And I think with more transparent interactions, then you could have more longer term success because you're focusing on, okay, how can I get to know this person? How can I help this person? How can this person help me? How can we, you know, bring more value to one another instead of just getting past the awkward phase? Like, you know, you kind of skip over that awkward phase of the initial interaction. You now have something in common. You now have something that you could, relate with um which helps to kind of build that foundation because right now that's that's what's necessary right the foundation of this startup and tech ecosystem in the caribbean and in the diaspora for black caribbean um techies and entrepreneurs kind of building our foundation so that way in the future it's it's the norm like no one's gonna say oh i can't really understand you you have like a jamaican accent a haitian accent whatever it may be when you go to big big networking events so we just have to set the foundation that we do that together um, with again creating value and exposure with with one another and for one another right okay so diversity in tech what does that word diversity mean to you um diversity and i'll put another word in there inclusion mm -hmm. uh those two words to me mean the same thing in terms of when i think of diversity i i, I cannot think of it without thinking of inclusion where that means anybody from different race, different backgrounds, gender, sex, age, everybody from different wherevers can all be in a room and have a decent conversation, create value, and everybody get the work done without folks having to feel uncomfortable, feel like they have to hide a part of themselves, feel like they have to put half of their brain energy into being someone that they're not. Um, so that's what that looks like and means to me. And I think that starts with one getting comfortable with who you are in similar or same spaces and then using that confidence and encouragement to then go out into other spaces and bring your full self um, into those spaces as well. So when I think of inclusion, you know, I want to, I want to see rooms where, you know, there's a 23 year old white male, a black 50 year old woman that, you know, just retired, but now she's switching to startups I want to see different people in that room interacting with each other, bringing their cultural and their experiences to create impactful businesses, ventures, and just create value for themselves and their companies and the people that they're going to impact. So that's what that looks like to me. Because um, a lot of folks kind of mix it up. They think, oh, you're talking about diversity. That means you just want a whole bunch of people of color in a room or you only want a bunch of women in a room. And I'm like, it starts with that to kind of build your confidence and your... Um, mindset you know self self-development right develop yourself in that space so that way when you go out into the bigger world you already have so much confidence leaking off of you that you just bring your full self instead of kind of sugarcoating it or hiding yourself in those in those scenarios right and then there's the issue of visibility because you're either really visible or you're invisible because like you said mm -hmm. 
you've you've always been the only one and a lot of people a lot of people say that when they're in predominantly white countries whether it's in north america or in the uk or western europe or whatnot they're always the only one so then you become hyper visible because you're the only one or when you're never when there's nobody there then you're super invisible so i feel like it's it's just extremes on both ends and then like you said when you when you are the only one then you feel like you, you can't be your your entire self your whole self because then there's there's all these sort of layers and and different kinds of nuances in terms of how people relate to you and microaggressions and and all that kind of stuff but i guess that's more in the workplace and less so if you're running your own business actually it it's both so you know when you're in your own business uh you have to interact with with other um clients right you have to interact with clients you have to interact with potential business partners you have to interact with um, employees and there have been scenarios where you know as the only like you know the the black woman on the team folks might not recognize that i am the ceo i am the founder um folks might not realize the power that I hold and shift to one of my co-founders who are both Latino as well as one is also white. So, you know, folks might, and I'm also the youngest one on my team. So folks might think, okay, that person is the more of the expert. This, this, she is just, you know, the, the side piece and not like the most important person in the company. And Mm -hmm. sometimes that is important because they're looking to talk to the CEO, but they're overpassing the CEO. So, you know, it comes at a different level um, of experiences when it, when you are running your own company and, but it, it helps to be in a position of power, right? but it defeats the purpose if people don't acknowledge your position of power. Sure. So you're talking about the various intersections here because you're female, you're black, you're immigrant, foreigner, and you're young. (laughs) Yeah. So there's a lot of, well, I guess it depends on how you see it. There's a lot that there's a lot of perception around all of those things. And I guess not everyone, but I guess there's you're you're you have to come up with coping strategies for dealing with how, how people are going to perceive you because of all of those things. Yeah, definitely. Um and so one of the ways that I kind of combat that is I grew up in a space like with, with my family and friends where I was very optimistic and outgoing. Mm-hmm. So no matter where I was, I kind of made myself stand out in a way that I would stand my ground. Like, no, I belong here. I'd ask a bunch of questions. If I didn't understand something, I would be very, I would use the word confident, even though there were parts of me that was like less confident and more like quiet down, but I would not be deferred by, by my presence. Like, and I would you know, I call myself like silent but deadly and sometimes where, you know, folks would see me in a room kind of wondering like, what's she doing here, you know? Um, but when I did speak up, they'd like, oh, she knows what she's talking about. Oh, she knows what she's doing. So that like made up for it because I was very aware. I did the research before I stepped foot anywhere or before I would open up uh, or again, asking questions. I didn't sit there and pretend like I understood when they use big, big different terms um, talking about, you know, especially at networking events or like panel events, you know, if they say question Q and a time, I would raise my hand and interact. And that, that kind of gave me leverage and kind of gave me a voice that way. When I started doing the events, I knew kind of like 
what the scene looked like and how I could incorporate others who look like me to kind of fit into that room if they didn't have that like outgoing personality that I have. Right. Right. And have you worked both in tech in, in a company? I mean, obviously you've got your own business, but have you actually worked in tech as an employee as well? Yeah. So I've worked for one, two, three different startups. I've worked for a nonprofit, um, as well, a nonprofit tech organization as well. And my, and again, all of it has been learning experiences. I've worked while I've had my startup. I'm, I'm working right now with my startup um, because I, I do acknowledge that there's still a lot more for me to learn. I'm not going to put myself out there as like, I know everything, I can do everything. So I work at these other companies to one, learn more about the internal workings of large organizations as well as just, you know, tighten up my skills to get better at what I need to be doing. Um, and inside of these companies, some have been very diverse, others have not. But again, I put my foot down in terms of I belong here. Mm-hmm. I'm going to innovate. I'm going to create value. I'm going to get the work done. I'm going to work twice as hard as everybody else, not because I have to, but because I want to, to rise up and like lead um, more. And so, you know, people do have recognized that over, over, the, over the years. Right. What is your uh, perspective or your thoughts on initiatives like Digital Undivided, which I think was started by Finney? Is it Catherine Finney? That's her name. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And which is, well, maybe you can talk more about it. I won't do that. But can you tell us more about Digital Undivided and what, what's your opinion on that? Do you think initiatives like that work? Is yeah, so I definitely, I definitely think initiatives like that work if when done correctly and i think she is doing it correctly she's you know launched a couple of reports they've had a program and i think she recently opened up uh, a space in atlanta mm-hmm. don't quote me on that i might yeah it is not, yeah okay yeah so you know initiatives like that do work if people use it the right way and corporations and organizations respect it the right way so i don't know if you remember a couple moments ago when i was discussing starting out in spaces of similarities spaces mm-hmm. safe spaces like let's call it that safe spaces where you could kind of let your guard down be yourself and build up that confidence i feel is very very important um right. and then but you're not supposed to stay in those safe spaces right you're supposed to have a graduation date from those spaces not to say like you just leave it forever um mm-hmm. but to go into the real world and interact like i don't want to see spaces where you know five six seven eight ten years down the road it's still just people of color are just people that resonate or look like you because then the conversation doesn't get to the develop and grow and you create the same problem that the white male ecosystem has created where they're sitting in rooms just of themselves and they're talking about feminine hygiene products they're talking about um black hair but they cannot resonate they cannot understand they cannot learn and they have no experience with these items so it's you know gaining confidence develop yourself develop your understanding of who you are and what you're what you're what you're doing and then go out there and be included and get your seats at the different tables so that you can create the value and impact because you do yourself a disservice if you only stay around people who are like you for too long because you know the world is not like that when you walk out your house you're seeing people from different backgrounds different races genders you're seeing so many diverse individuals and as you cannot sit and have a powerful impactful conversation and develop something alongside them then you're just keeping yourself in the same old um systems yeah there's no growth in that period so yeah no exactly no growth that's the best way to put it there's no growth you're just running around in circles yeah 
Yeah, but for, for people who want to know about Digital Undivided, they should check out, I think it's digitalundivided.com and it was founded by Catherine Finney. Um, it was a social enterprise, I think she founded a few years ago to train and support women of color. And from there, like you said, she did these reports and she went on to create this massive initiative in Atlanta, some kind of accelerator, the big accelerator. And it's really an entire initiative to support tech talent, particularly female and of color. And I remember her doing Project Diane. And I think Project Diane is what um, revealed the reports about the sort of um, the really low levels of women in tech, women of color in tech, and, and the limited support and, and all of that stuff. So it was, I mean, it wasn't anything new, but I think it was something that was needed so that so people can say, okay, here's the research. Now this is proof that something needs to be done. So um, it's a really, really interesting initiative. But um, do you think initiatives like those serve, because you just said that you don't want, you, you think that individuals need to graduate from these spaces. So you think they're good initially for like building confidence and kind of building you up to certain level, but then you need to move on from that. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, move on in the sense that start including yourself and bringing your voice to different conversations in more diverse rooms. Because um, if you are just in a room with people that really just resonate with you 100%, then it's not, again, you're missing out on the diversity and inclusion part. But not in the, but I think, you know, going back to those rooms, so going out into the world, interacting and going back into those rooms and teaching the next class, the next generation, if we're using like class as like, you know, graduation, now you're an alumni, bringing information back and giving folks, you know, the scope on what the ecosystem looks like right now and how they can you know, build the next layer of think thick skin to what's going on. Because, you know, as time change, the same way the technology changes and then folks have to go back to school and then learn more and then um, get different certifications and degrees, you have to come back and give the next class and the next generation the information that they need to be successful. Okay, this is the type of um, vocabulary that you need to learn about. These are the, the new technologies. These are the new resources that you need to, to, to be aware of. This is the new politics or whatever it may be but going back into those rooms but instead of just being a learner this time you're also being a teacher um you know you'll never stop learning so you'll still continue learning but more so coming back as a teacher once you get that real world experience um and that that inside of you know spaces where you're kind of you again maybe you are the only one or the only one of few um in, in, inside of bigger spaces right I'd like to talk now about tech in the actual Caribbean. Are you involved in any tech initiatives or tech projects? Do you attend networking events or meetings or work with tech entrepreneurs in the Caribbean itself? Not yeah, so I actually do work with and network with um, a couple of tech entrepreneurs in the Caribbean. A couple yeah. of folks are in the site collective group and I've been um, trying to find out more organizations and reaching out to them, you know, seeing what's really going on and seeing how we can work together just in the diaspora so caribbeans that are living in u.s uk um some folks are even have moved back to like africa uh the continent i don't know which countries but many um but like trying to see how can we all work together to really build up the economies of our different caribbean islands and um one of the problems that i've come across is maybe it's a lack of trust that's the best way to put it where folks think I have something going on. I'm just going to do my thing. I don't want to really work with anyone. I, you know, maybe they had a bad experience where somebody kind of tried to steal their idea or um, they did an initiative and they didn't get any benefit from it or somebody just kind of like used them. Mm -hmm. 
I've had that happen to me in the past, but again, my very optimistic self, maybe it's out of Aaron, as my mom would say. Um, I, you know, go back out there and try. You know, I brush my, I'll maybe cry, brush my knees up, and I'll go back out there and try and like work with folks. Um, so that has been a small roadblock, but we're getting around it. But mainly in Jamaica, I'm trying to say, okay, how can we? keep these programs around long term how can we really in the diaspora help build up these caribbean islands because for example we know we all know the barrel system um i'm pretty sure they do it in your island as well right when you know folks in the states are constantly sending like barrels of like food um goods back to the caribbean island so you know we're sending back items that way we might send you know hundreds of thousands of dollars a year with western union why aren't we sending back job opportunities? Why aren't we sending back computers and laptops so folks can become software developers or bloggers or um, designers in the Caribbean to create job opportunities so that they could create wealth down there? Why aren't we owning more of our islands? I know, for example, Jamaica is mostly owned by not Jamaica. Um, so, you know, how can we really build up the ecosystem while we're not physically there, especially because tech is so fluid, mm-hmm. you could do work from your phone, work from your laptop, or from your tablet. You could do, and then um, I was reading a report the other day saying that um, specifically in Jamaica, there are two and a half times more phones than there are people in the country. So estimated, everybody have about two and a half phones. And I'm just like, okay, what can we do with this information? Clearly, people are on the internet on technologies they're getting used to it how can we leverage that how can we grow that influence and really make some long-term sustainable changes and impact so that uh you know the financial aspect and economical aspect of the countries do grow yeah that's pretty common in developing countries in in india in sub-saharan africa there are more phones and toilets i mean that's (laughs) but they that's because so much is done on the mobile phone people are educated on the mobile phone. People are accept remittances on the mobile phone. But in but within Sub-Saharan Africa, they 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 use tech. I mean, looking at countries like Kenya, for example, Kenya is a leader in in tech in in the the African continent, and they're doing amazing things with tech and mobile phones and so on. So I think, like you said, it's it's um, finding ways to 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 bring those initiatives to the Caribbean. But you you mentioned something earlier, which I've heard as well from. Um, other Caribbean entrepreneurs that I've spoken to, which is the lack of trust and bad experiences. I've had some Caribbean entrepreneurs say to me that they feel like they get into the space and everyone's quite siloed and they stick to themselves and they don't want to work together and they don't want to share. And I've actually seen that myself. Well, I've observed it (laughs) where you see like there's these little, I guess you could see, you could say like cliques of people that stick together and they're not necessarily open to working with other people. Um, I've had entrepreneurs say to me, like they've, they, when they've reached out to certain people, they haven't responded. So there's definitely a lack of trust. But I think that's such a, that's such a lack of mindset. I think there's so much for everybody. And if everybody's working on things, I mean, everyone thrives. So I don't understand that. But that's a very Caribbean thing, though. It's a very Caribbean thing. Yeah, I, I'm I even worse to understand it because I feel like, Sadly, it's a Caribbean. Together, yeah, together we could go further. You know, they say the, the, the quote, one man could build a bridge in how many years versus a hundred men building that same bridge in one year. Together, we will definitely go further, but it takes time for folks to see that. And because of past distress or just, you know, history, 
or just general weird reasons or we shouldn't be getting along because so and so happened or this politi political reason um it slows the progress and slows the growth where we could be creating million billion dollar companies and programs that really shift the whole entire ecosystem and the whole entire economy for the better for everyone and everyone will win um yeah so that's a problem with itself <laughs> i've always said to these people though just keep your head down and work my thing is just let the work speak for itself and my experience is that the people who either ignore you or distrust you initially they always come around you know it's either two things it's either you silence them because they see that wow okay this is this person is actually progressing and doing something or they come around and they realize that they were they were being kind of silly and then they want to collaborate with you and work with you and I think there's also a Caribbean mindset where people don't like to get involved with things until they see that there's some like proof of something. I, I mean, I, I don't know what that's about, but I, I see that a lot. It's like, okay, let's just sit back and watch and see how it's going to progress first. And then they get involved, which, which I don't know, because I feel like if you're not in it from the outset, then you can't really, or you shouldn't really be reaping the benefits of the hard work that somebody else has put into their project. You know? Amen. And I have a good friend from um, Carrie Ann from Carrie Ann Friends. We were just talking about it when we did a session with her through Side Week, and she called them bandwagonists, where it's like once the bandwagon is now roaming and it's you know rolling and it's good to go, everybody wants to jump in, but nobody wanted to be there when we're trying to make the wheel work, where we're trying to shape the wheel, making sure that there's enough seeds. You know, when we're building the whole thing, no one wants to really be involved in, involved in it. But once you hit an article at Forbes or you get this recognition or whatever it may be, everybody's like, oh, let me jump, let me jump. And it's, and then that develops your even more lack of trust in folks because they're like, wait, so you didn't want to support or be a part of this when we're doing the hard blood, sweat, tears, making no money for years, months at a time. But now that it's coming in, you want to participate, but you didn't want to do any of the hard work. So that is, then that just rebrands re, re the cycle. Yeah. And shout out to Carrie Ann, Carrie Ann for, of Carry On Friends. And do visit her website, carryonfriends.com, and listen to her podcast, the Caribbean American podcast. It's, it's all good. And um, yeah, but she's right. There's a lot of that as well. And it's a shame, but I, I don't know. Maybe the next generation will be different. Who knows? <laughs> but um, <laughs> well, talking about tech, tech spaces, um, I know there's Silicon Carib that people can go to if they want to find out about tech in the Caribbean. Um, I know there was a big, there's, there's been this big Haitian tech summit happening in Haiti that's been spearheaded by um, a popular female um, entrepreneur, Christine Souffron. Yeah, yeah, Christine Souffron. Yeah, so there's, there's a lot. Jamaica, obviously, is a big country. It's got, it's got its own tech ecosystem, as well as Trinidad and Grenada. Grenada has got up and St. Vincent. And all the islands in the Caribbean are developing their, their tech ecosystems, and there's a lot happening. There probably just isn't a space where you can read about all of them, but if you, if you Google tech in the Caribbean or countries you'll find there's a lot there's a lot happening in in the tech realm in the caribbean but like you said it's not really being um showcased it's not really being put out there so hopefully that that will change with time yeah and then you see that same sentence that you just mentioned there's not really a direct place that you could go and see all of it you mm -hmm. kind of just got to google and put the pieces together yourself mm -hmm. um you know i think that's what we need you know we need a central place so that we we could 
build the credibility, build the visibility for each other, um, kind of together. Uh, you know, when one person shares an article, then you share it with everybody. If everybody have, let's say it's 10 organizations and every organization have a thousand people on the mailing list, instead of we individually sharing it with our 1000 people each share it with everybody's 1000 person. So now you've got 10,000 people looking at your interview, looking at your content and sharing that now that just continues to multiply the effect of the trickle down. So like, you know, that's one of the goals with site collective. So that's how we changed it. That we added the word collective to it. Um, I want it to be a group effort. I don't, I don't want to sit down and just do everything myself because, again, I strongly believe in community. I strongly believe in working together with others. Um, so, you know, I want folks to send in their companies and we'll put, 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 put it on the website. We're, we have, like, a directory on the website where folks will sign up and then anyone that wants to look for services or businesses come into that website and say, okay, I'm looking for a web developer in Jamaica. You can search by the island and you could find that person or peoples that identify with that, with that term. I want that to be, you know, what folks, a central place where everybody, folks could find everything instead of, oh, just Google it and something will come up because you're, you're bound to miss something. You know what I mean? And that might be the most important thing that you actually do need or the most important information. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. For sure. So what words of, um, encouragement or words of advice do you have for other women of color in tech other black women from the caribbean who are in tech um first i would say take your time um i i know you know i'm very ambitious just naturally um a lot of i've seen you know many black caribbean just women in general also are very ambitious and we want to get a lot done and we believe in community and work together um and it doesn't always pan out the way we expect it to or what we want it to so you know just take time with yourself self-care is important so if you have to step back from whatever you're working on even if it's a really great initiative even though it's very impactful please step back take time for yourself because if you're not good if your oxygen mask is not on you cannot really help anybody else um, and I had to learn those lessons the hard way where burnout would hit me so hard. I just couldn't do anything for days at a time. Um, so, you know, taking small breaks in between whatever you're working on is important. Um, and the next thing I would say is you got this in terms of whatever you're working on, it's going to take time. You know, they say it, uh, Malcolm Gladwell said 10,000 hours is what, it, is what it takes to become an expert. Um, anything and just put in the work and people will see it when it's time so you know just recognize that it takes time to get where you're going and you will get there just continue to do the hard work um continue to reach out to clients continue to record those podcast episodes if it's only one two people listening because when you get to where you're going you're gonna everybody when they jump on the bandwagon let them see that you did the work and you did the time so now you you're reaping the benefits of the work that you did um and the last thing is you know reach out uh, i want to be of service to others. yeah definitely reach out i'm really excited to work with others um collaborate and grow together um to go to go together we will go far um i know i butchered that quote but everybody understand what i'm saying um and yeah that that's that would be my three little tidbits
Yeah. Okay, good. Well, that's what I like to call seen and sensible advice. And another woman in tech that I'd like to shout out that's been featured on our platform is Tasha Morris. She's one of the co-founders behind, <laughs> yeah, behind Benchmark Creative. And she's also, so you know Tasha, right? I'm assuming you know. Yes, we've definitely collaborated. And, you know, I love yeah. the girls over at Benchmark Creative. Yeah. So she's someone else that's been featured on our platform. She's also of Caribbean heritage, Panamanian Bajan and something else I'm not entirely sure but um and she's working in tech and Benchmark Creative is a boutique marketing agency that helps startups and enterprise brands create their their voice online and offline and she's definitely 100% tech as well so you should you should definitely check them out so um Georgie Ann where can we find you um can you tell us your website tell us uh, where we can find sites social media where can we follow you and keep up with everything that you're doing yeah, so my personal website, which is being redone right now, um, could be found at just my first name, georgieann.com. Um, and you can find me on any social media at georgiebhumble. Um, and then site is uh, C-I-T-E, site collective on all social media as well. Okay, perfect. And do you have an email address in case somebody wanted to reach out to you? Yeah, so georgie at illicitmind dot com and i'll spell it out really quickly g-e-o-r-g-i-e at i-l-l-i-c-i-t-m-i-n-d dot com um that's my direct email i check it every day um reach out and if if you don't see me reply feel free to bump that email because we all know emails can get crazy um email inboxes will get bombarded so you know reach out if i can assist or connect you with someone that can i'm definitely open to that yeah do you ever think um, in the West, by the West, I mean North America, Western Europe. Do you think there's ever not going to be these conversations about women in tech, women of color in tech, biases in tech, prejudices in tech? Or you think that's just a part of it because these countries are predominantly white and it's always going to be that way? Um, and, and women and minorities are, um, well, with the exception of Latinas in America, they're, they're in the minority. So you're always going to have this kind of dynamic. Or do you think it's going to change? What are your thoughts on that? I think if it's going to change, I will probably not be around. Um, my kids, maybe my kids' kids will be the ones to, to, to reap those benefits. Uh, just because if we look at the timelines, right, when we look at things that happen in these countries from slavery to the banning well not banning, well, no rights being allowed to women and so it's slowly been changing but these long-term effects that these policies that were put in place hundreds of years ago have um, enacted it's not going to be erased anytime soon we're now seeing more interracial couples and more diverse families and so folks have to recognize these biases within themselves but the the lack of inclusion and certain diversity problems is not a problem that us people of color us women can fix it's the you know the white males because you know that's that's what people determined to or just the white folks in general who have to realize within themselves of these unconscious biases you know we can't mm-hmm. we could we could tell them about the problem as much as we want till our eyes run red if they don't see it themselves it's like it doesn't exist to them and i've seen that firsthand just simple things you know when i was growing up my mom would tell me about experiences of her being a mother or you know difficulties um of you know raising she was a single mom just raising us and you don't realize or understand that until 
I didn't understand a lot of the stuff she was complaining about or discussing until I became a mother myself. Um, you know, certain school things I didn't understand until I was a college student myself. So until you're in that position or you open your eyes enough to actively be the one searching for a solution to the problem that you've actively saw yourself, you're really not going to hit the nail on the head. There are, you know, organizations led by um, white folks or white folks being allies and they recognize the problem and they recognize they want to create a solution to it and then they open their minds. But until they make the conscious decision to do that, we kind of have no control over it. Um, so we just got to do what we can to enable or, or, or people to have, again, that confidence, that strength to, to persevere and get into those rooms and not feel taken aback or feel less than or feel discouraged by being the only in the room. So that's what really these programs are for. So that if you are the only, you stand proud in that. You stand in your truth and you don't feel like you have to represent the entire female race. I mean, the entire female sex, the entire black race, but you feel like you represent yourself and do what you can to represent your people. Um, and then, you know, keep it, keep it pushing, keep it moving, keep hustling, grinding and do what you have to do. Yeah, so it's a power dynamic, and mm-hmm. those, those that hold the power, you think the onus is on them to recognize um, that the power, the dynamic needs to shift, but we all know that people that hold power don't like to give it up, and they don't like to share it. <laughs> mm-hmm. so, um, so I guess that's, that's the new challenge, but um, yeah, yeah, there is a lot of diversity, and there is a lot of mixing, but that's, that's quite superficial. That's not changing institutionalized racism and institutionalized Exactly. Violence. And we all know the United States was founded on, on, on racist policy. So, I mean, that's the beginning of America. <laughs> exactly. You're, you're, like you said, you're not going to change those things um, overnight. But I, I just thought I'd ask that question because I feel like when it comes to, like, it's always the same narrative, you know, like, okay, women in tech, diversity in tech, black women, Latinos in tech. And it's always the same thing over and over again. So, um, as someone who doesn't live in America and as an outsider, I'm always wondering, well, is this changing? I mean, you see more faces, you see more women becoming successful, or is it just the media recycling the same stories over and over again? So we don't really know what's happening on the ground. So I'm always curious um, to learn from people who are in that space if they actually think that things are changing or things will ever change in the long term. So, yeah. Yeah, definitely. And like my last sentiment, again, the for for me the way those programs are so like i said in the early part of this interview if those programs are done correctly and people know why it's being done it will translate into you know more more successful ceos more of of color and women um more opportunities for for folks but again it's really building up that like confidence and not feeling like you have to be anyone but yourself in whatever room that you're in because for so long it's been kind of instilled on us from um, specifically, you know, like from slavery days, you know, hush down your personality, hush down yourself, quiet down your culture. And then in the corporate world, you mm. know, straighten your hair, um, wear mm. this kind of shirt, cover up who you are. And so once you start just naturally in every situation, whether you're at a backyard party or you're in your work office, if you feel comfortable to be in your skin, who you are, wear your hair, the way you need to wear it you're just going to show up and just be more conscious in the work that you do. And people will see your full power in that sense. Um, and that's when they're like, Oh, Oh snap. She's, she's, she's doing this. Like mm-hmm. I can't even pretend that she's not doing a one job because they could sugarcoat it as like, Oh, you know, you're not doing what you need to do. 
because half your brain power is focused on making sure that you don't have your accents slip out. Like, mm. you know what I mean? <laughs> so if your full power is focused on getting that work done and you know what you're doing, nobody could deny that the numbers will prove themselves. Like, again, we said it a, a couple of times, it's a numbers game. It's a power game. Like, once you show you got the numbers, you got the power, there's nothing no one could convince anyone of that, you know, you're not great, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And do you see yourself in the future um, collaborating with um, other Black women in diaspora, for example, Black women in Africa, Black women back home throughout the Caribbean, Black women in Latin America? Do you see, would you, is that Black women in the UK, in Canada, do, is that something you would see yourself doing or you'd like to do? A hundred and bajillion percent. Like, that's definitely something that I want to do, something that I'm currently working on ways to get done. Um, and I think that's important again. So across, remember how I said like graduating, so across different continents and different countries, we have to understand like the different ecosystems. I don't have no idea what I'm going to expect when I go to, you know, Nigeria, if I'm invited there to speak for something or want to participate in a program there, but talking to someone or collaborating with a Nigerian female entrepreneur, black entrepreneur, I'll be able to kind of get her perspective and kind of be more prepared of what to expect in that ecosystem because she's been there done that you know what i mean and um definitely in the caribbean i just the other day started following a couple of caribbean um influencers uh and for for example i forgot the woman's name but she's in charge of tech beach retreat in jamaica just mm -hmm. contacting her might be a good starting place like you know what what's what's the ecosystem like down there even though i'm from jamaica i haven't been in the tech ecosystem specifically in jamaica um, but how can I be more involved? I've spoken to Ingrid from Silicon Carib, you, you know, just making those introductions and starting a conversation and saying, what can we do for each other together to make everyone's life more valuable and, um, everyone's prospects more impactful. Yeah. And it's a great way to share experiences because the black female experience in a black country is obviously very different to that in, in a predominantly white country. hundred percent. So, so yeah. you there's there's one less burden to worry about which is race <laughs> and I think <laughs> what you find in predominantly black countries is more of a gender issue or a socioeconomic issue like you know things like middle class versus or religion you know there's other factors Definitely. yeah black, but your blackness isn't one so that's just one less thing to worry about and I think because you don't have that burden I'm not saying that success is is much I'm not saying success is easier but it's probably a bit more clearer you know? Yeah. Yeah. There's certain things you don't have to deal with. And I think just sharing those experiences is, is really important too. So I would love to see you work with, um, with, with black women in Nigeria and Kenya and all over Africa and the Caribbean. That'd be really cool. But it sounds like you're already doing that. So bravo. Well done to you. And, um, finally, um, are you looking to collaborate with anyone or are you looking to work with anyone in particular project or partner, or do you need help with anything that you would like to share? with our audience um yeah the biggest thing is site collective right so we have the Caribbeans and tech and entrepreneurship collective and i said you know i want to make this the place where everybody goes to find all the resources um and in order to do that i have to know one what the resources out there and two get people to sign up and post their you know this is what i this is my company this is the services that i offer this is how you can contact me it's literally trying to become a directory a space to publish announcements and events um, so that way everyone could go to one central place and find out what everyone else is doing. How can they attend? How can they participate? If they need a service, they could book or um, hire someone. So just if you want to help build that, 
um, definitely reach out. If you are a resource, reach out again. Also sign up. Um, you can go to sitecollective.com or caribbeansandtech.com. They both lead to the same place. Um, or if you even just Google Caribbeans and Tech, it'll pop up. Um, but yeah, we definitely want to grow that. And it starts with us putting our resources on there. Okay, brilliant. Well, thank you so much. Thank you for being on the podcast. Thank you for sharing your experiences as a Black woman in tech and entrepreneurship. Thank you for all the work that you do. Thank you for being an entrepreneur. And, and thank you. I'm sure, I'm sure there's a few generations that will come after you and say that you were their role model and you set the way for them. So um, the work that you do is very important. Um, not because you're just, you know, you're black and female, whatever, but just for visibility and, and showing others that they can do it as well. So um, I wish you continued success and it would be nice to have you back on the podcast again uh, just to see where you are and, and, and what you're doing. Yeah, definitely. Thank you so much for having me. And you've humbled me very much being somebody role model. <laughs> um, uh, yes, definitely excited about the great work that there is to be done. I know there's a lot of work to be done. Uh, and you're definitely one of my contacts. Uh, reach out. Um, if anyone wants to get an introduction to me, feel free to do so. And yeah, thank you so much for having me and have, helping me share my story. And get um more visibility and more reach good all right rare ones i hope you have heard or learned something today that has inspired you you now know how to reach georgianne who she is and what she does get inspired get motivated contact her reach out all that good stuff and until next time bye for now bye bye bye